Hi, Lance Meekle, Founder and Managing Director of Generational, your pathway to wealth, health, and leaving a legacy. You're listening to the Family Office with Lance Meekle podcast, the podcast for those that are seeking a way of living that is healthier, enables you to be wealthier, and live your life whilst leaving behind a legacy. On this podcast, you're going to hear from people that understand the results of collaboration, synergies, wealth, and freedom that only a family office can produce. Family offices are the only entity that unites families and implements intergenerational wealth transfer and purpose, and Generational is the out-in-front leader to assist you. In the podcast, I'll make sure you have all the resources you need to move forward to having wealth, health, and leaving a legacy. So to get started, go to our website, genmfo.com, that's G-E-N-M-F-O.com, where you'll get heaps of free insights, you can request a free e-guide to get answers to all of your questions, and while on the website, visit our YouTube channel and watch our videos. For more amazing episodes, go to genmfo.podbean.com, that's G-E-N-M-F-O.podbean.com, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or your favourite podcast app. If you want to join our community and gain access to the patriarchs and matriarchs that I work with around the world, subscribe to my podcast. In the short term, if you wish to get started straight away, contact me personally via LinkedIn so we can get started. Thanks for spending some time with me listening to this episode. Why look at the family office sector? I know you're going to enjoy listening to some practical information about the reasons and journey some take to look at the family office space. Today, I'm speaking with Anthony Selby, who will provide us with his pathway to date in looking at the family office sector and what he has discovered, liked, and disliked. Anthony, welcome to Family Office with Lance Meekle Podcast. Thanks for having me, Lance. Absolute pleasure. So, Anthony, it's a privilege to be chatting with you today, particularly because I know what I know about your background in relation to your family. So, if you don't mind, let's get started by you telling our listeners uh, in no particular order a bit about yourself, your journey to this point, and how we met. Yeah, sure. Um, we were introduced by a mutual uh, friend and, and colleague, um, uh, Dr. Catherine Hunt, who's, who's also my mentor. Shout out to Catherine. Um, so she's introduced. Hello, hello Catherine. <laughs> she's introduced us uh, on the basis that um, she's also heard my, a bit about my background and personal story and my interests, and thought we'd be uh, good good to meet to you know good to meet. And uh, so here we are. We're having a bit of a chat about. My history, which which is is probably quite pertinent, I guess, to family offices and um, why they help people and how they can help people. Yeah, and your journey to this point, uh, are you happy to disclose, uh, you'd be as transparent as you like or be as limited as you like around name of yeah. employers or pathways or careers or titles that have yeah, got sure. you to the point where you are. We'll get more into we'll get more into what that is and what the journey ahead looks like. But I'm more for our listeners trying to get an get them giving them an understanding of what I already know around some information you've shared with me about uh, at a personal level and also about your career level to this point. Of course. So essentially, my career started. Um, I was always interested in finance um, and, and business, um, amongst other things. My first job was at Schroeder's um, straight out of high school, which was in 1999, and that was essentially back then a, a hedge fund before hedge funds were called hedge funds. It was in the financial markets division in Sydney, and it was a, a great start uh, to, to a career right above the stock exchange and futures exchange in, in Grosvenor Place. So that kind of piqued my interest. Um, I went to uni and studied a business degree, majoring in finance, so majoring in accounting and law, commercial law. And... Uh, my my career took me in an, you know in an interesting turn. I, I really wanted to learn Chinese. So originally, I'd started doing that straight out of high school, and that, it, looking back in hindsight, was probably why Schroeder's was interested in a in a graduate. Um, the the background was I, I thought you know China would turn into a an economic superpower, which it obviously has, um, and wanted to learn. Chinese Mandarin. It's always interested in languages, but thinking that it would be, you know, helpful for my career. And Australia and China would have, you know, quite a lot in, in common or complementary economy 
um, and, and trade to, 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 to go through. It didn't quite pan out that way recently, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, I was over there and essentially, um, I have, after having worked in, in finance and banking, um, and studying Chinese, I, I moved over to Tianjin, uh, in 2000 and I think it was five. Yeah. 2005, the, sort of life happened to me so <laughs> I, while I was okay. over there I came, back, <laughs> I came back for a holiday found out that dad was uh, had been diagnosed with prostate cancer um, and that sort of started a chain of events uh, at that point I knew that uh, at some point soon I was going to inherit money um, and I started to learn a little bit about well, quite quickly had to learn about what that meant sure. and take over dad's affairs um, uh, he, he had his own financial advisor at the time uh at the same time mum got sick which was which was you know when it rains it pours type thing um so I was at the time uh I had to come back to Australia quite quickly um it was in 2000 and early 2000 and sorry it was mid 2007 I got a job straight out straight away uh, at State Super uh, in Parramatta so I was working as a financial advisor um wanting to learn or financial planner wanting to learn about personal financial management uh, rather than pure finance, more about the personal side and, and how people were advised. I was still quite wet between the ears at that stage. Yeah, and at the very, very peak of the market, not knowing what was coming, yes. That's it. So you hit the nail on the head. So um, I had to take things over right in the peak of the GFC. I was working in um, uh, on the other side. I was, I was in sort of client service and power planning um, throughout that period, not having yet been an advisor, but being obviously an insider and privy to you know some at least some information about how it was all structured and, and what people did in that space mm-hmm. um so that was quite a shock um it was yes. a big transition for me obviously over a number of years but having to take take things over not just for my parents but also for myself mm-hmm. uh, I have no siblings or um you know had no sort of um real uh sort of you know structure in place you know that other than what my you know my grandfather had done um many many years earlier um god bless him which was uh, a you know very tight estate plan um and so that um i guess set in motion what was already there but my real interest in how much you know how much stuff goes on behind the scenes and how much advisors do and can do to help people on the personal side, dealing with the financial side during a period like that. So, you know, it's one thing to sort of have, a, have an advisor um, to plan for, for, for things and to, to put stuff in place. It's, it's for my personal experience was um, in the middle of, you know, a crisis um, having to sort of, when I say crisis, I mean an economic crisis and a personal crisis, take over, yeah. take over what I felt was a huge responsibility. I was, I think, about 20, 26 or something like that, 26 or 27 when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and having to, I guess, navigate all those emotions that come with knowing, you know, um, you know, my my, my grandfather, bon, um, sorry, my grandparents, three of my grandparents were Holocaust survivors and they'd come here with nothing and built it up all over again. Um, and so I felt a huge responsibility sort of not to blow it and to mm-hmm. um, give my best shot at, at um, not, be- not becoming a statistic <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the no, third generation, you know, the shirt sleeves, yeah. shirt sleeves statistic. Yeah, so you're sitting in you're sitting in uh, in Sydney. You can speak Mandarin to yourself. You've got a bucket load of cash, both coming and banked, and you're sitting about to be sitting right in the guts of the global financial crisis. So that's a that's a big impact, and that takes courage and guts. So, firstly, on behalf of the listeners, thanks for sharing that, Anthony. That's um, transparency at its best, and I appreciate that. And whilst I was sitting on that information, I thought it pertinent if you wanted to share it share it because it gives you the seat at the table to have the discussion well and truly about family office. So thanks, yeah, for, absolutely. thanks, no, that's for, okay. thanks for opening up on that. You've recently made uh, what some would say, you know, you're not sitting there at 26 and that is uh, emotionally and the human capital side of that is not water under the bridge and that will never leave you. But from a um, age perspective that's historical now that's going yeah. back a few years you've moved forward and you've recently made a bold step to go alone in a business sense are you in a position to or are you willing to discuss that and let um, the listeners know how that came about yeah of course some of that's still in, in train so obviously I can't give too much away but yep. essentially 
since that period, I've been on a personal journey uh, to learn and, you know, become what I would say is an advisor in the true sense of the word. Um, It's my second stint uh, in the the industry. The first stint I left uh, when that all happened, Um, moved back to China for a second stint, started a business. Kept kept doing what I was doing for a few years, had a kid, came back. So now I've got two beautiful girls. I'm married, um, been married for you know, 14 years, been learning learning the ropes, um, mm. deliberately looking for what I would call, uh, you know, I loosely call an independent financial advisor. Um, and words are important. The reason I'm a little bit um, cautious with some of these words is words are very important and independent can mean different things to different people. Sure. So um, for me, um, I, needing needing the advice at that point for me a really important thing was knowing that as to the extent possible there was no perceived or you know no conflict of interest that was kind of obvious or inherent as a consumer mm-hmm. um, and and being unbiased and you know impartial advice of what was best for me I didn't want to second guess what other motives might be in play um, and so reaching out to different people um, and different different businesses along the way. Um, having worked, my, the last role I was in was um, a little bit over five years at a firm that's uh, called Lorica Partners. Um, that they previously uh, had a different name. They've recently changed the name. Had a bit of changes in the company, but uh, they're, they're a, um, a firm that uh, offers a family office service um, as well as a wealth management service and an investment consulting service. So they they're sort of typical clients, uh, uh, you know, ultra high net worth investors or, or high net worth investors. Um, depending on sort of definitions, but they they look up, you know, they look after typically uh, to the extent that they can um, across generations. It's not um, what I would call a family office, but um, they're, they're looking to 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 sort of you know offer that space in the in the same way that a lot of firms are, yes. um, but um, offer that sort of service to clients. But it's it's a it's a difficult one because a lot of people don't know what that quite is, and there's there's a few conflicts in the industry still that make it. Um, hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in, in, we go back to 2007, just take you back there a step and picking up on what you've just shared. Mm. Knowing what you know now, and we all have uh, PhDs in hindsight. Uh, yeah, that's right. Knowing what you know now, going back to 2007 when you were in that um, pit of uh, fear, I think would be appropriate, um, yep. there was li- little exhilaration, um, a massive impact clearly on any hu- human being. What what would you say to any professional who is in or around the financial services sector listening? Yep. What, what would you challenge them to contemplate adding as an offering to assist them, whether they be an insurance broker, a mortgage broker, a financial planner, a chartered accountant, a qualified accountant, um, someone in the financial services space? What would it be that was missing from what you would have liked to have received, knowing what you know now? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, there's there's a couple of things. I think one is the the assumption that the person that's giving you advice is giving you giving you advice in your best interest, and that that should sort of seem obvious. But the way people charge, in my view, matters. Um, incentives matter. You know, yes. um, and we've seen that with you know inquiry after inquiry, and it's not to yes. say everyone does the wrong thing. There are plenty of good advisors who have incentives, you know, not the best incentives in place, but still work around that and provide the best advice they can in the system they're in. Yes. But we're, I think, the only because we grew out of a life insurance um, and sort of you know selling property trust type environment in the seventies and eighties. Um, I think we we we're being dragged kicking and screaming to professionalism and for different you know different people that means different things but in my mind that means putting at least the client but the public interest before your own so so how do you do that well yeah i mean good, good to, to the question yeah i mean exactly. that's a really yeah. difficult question but yes. if someone comes to you and you know um, they have a mortgage and you're charging a percentage of funds under management for example i mean you can offer you can advisors always say well I'll offer I'll do whatever the client wants right I'll, I'll, I'll you know if a client might want a percentage under management and they can argue for that or the client might prefer a commission because it makes it cheaper and that's all fine but there's a there's a an inherent information asymmetry here you know um we're we're, we're professionals or we're holding ourselves out to be professionals at least and so 
we should offer what we believe is the least conflicted way of providing that advice, not what the client wants. I mean, there are plenty of, you know, we've all heard of the ambulance chasing lawyer or, you know, there are other professions that struggle with this too, but we're the only one that's regulated through an AFSL, really, where you don't just stick a practising certificate on the door and, and start going once you've met the qualifications and experience. We're, we're held to a higher standard and that's okay, but the, the inherent conflicts that are kind of still there are, sort of being ironed through again now with with another inquiry and just to bring just to so, bring some clarity for our audience who's yeah. where um our audience aren't aware of where you sit in the financial services sector currently what yeah, so good, where what's your, what's your question. what's your space yeah so i'm at the moment i'm in what i would say an independent financial advisor but i'm in okay. the process of setting up a new a new firm yep so we'll, my we'll firm get, my we'll get to that yep we'll yeah that. i'm so, I'll go back and take you back to 2007 back to the question Mm-hmm. What 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 Services. would you yeah what would you have appreciated and valued? I'm not monetizing the statement. Um, okay. What would you have valued and appreciate knowing what you know today to be available, but wasn't available? And in most cases, I think it's fair to say in 2022, still aren't available. It's <laughs> not easy to find. Yeah, by people who run a linear model, which is what I call a transaction-based model. That is, you come yes. to us for our, you come to us for our air commerce services. Yep. Um, we provide them for you and rhetorically we add we care about our clients somewhere in that delivery. Yep. Um, what what are the things in 2007 that weren't sitting there for you that you deemed would have been of value that could have been could have been either suggested or directed uh, or as an iteration of what somebody was doing yep. that you think would have assisted you? Yeah, well, this is this is coming right to what I'm proposing to, you know, was thinking about doing in my own business because it right. makes okay. sense to me. Yep. Good. And so the first the first offering really is what I would call an advice only model. Um, that's a, that's a difficult one in Australia because of all the, the regu- you know the regulation and stuff, but it's still it's still viable. And typically that means that the advisor doesn't manage the investments. It, it's designed for people who. Maybe you want to collaborate. They think I can do my stuff. I want to learn. I want to get check. I want to check up. I want to. I want to get advice. I want it to be independent. But I'm happy to either implement it myself, pay someone to implement it for me, and be off on my way. Um, that's what I would say at the, at the beginning. That says to, to somebody, well, you can come here and ask me a question, or come to me with your questions, and I'll give you impartial advice without having to do anything like manage your money, because that's a presumption that it shouldn't be there in the first place, right? Nice, nice. Um, yes. In my view, I mean, there may be other yeah, reasons perfect. to go to a financial advisor, you're, but you're you know, managing money may be a result. Yeah, maybe pay back your mortgage, maybe um, you know, clean up your estate planning or whatever it is. But there's a range of reasons. Or cash flow modelling is a typical one. You know, can I do this? Can I afford that? Um, but it's just a question. It's not a or it's a it's a help me resolve an uncertainty. Um, and and the second one really is is for people who who can't do that yet. They don't either have the ability to. Well, let's say the time, the expertise or the temperament for whatever reason to be able to do that themselves. And they need somebody to delegate to and they need somebody that understands the situation. I think this is a key part. You know, money doesn't exist in a vacuum. There's a person and a family and people behind it. And there's all how that all interplays together is what makes, in my mind, a good advisor. It's understanding the client. It's you. It's like going to a doctor. You wouldn't just sort of go and the doctor says, "Yeah, go take these pills." They've got to find out what's wrong. So in, you, in an optimal got, world, yes, in an optimal world, they've got to, they've got to get to a point where they've learned enough. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, they've, they've got to learn enough about you, right? And so yes. in a transactional business. Um, that's really difficult because the 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 objective for, for most businesses is to get the client to sign up as quickly as possible, get them into a recurring revenue-based model and pay the bills. It's like remove the hurdles. Whereas what you need to do often, it might take 10, I mean, in a complex situation, it might take 10 meetings to, to resolve an issue, to really get to the bottom of why that client is, has come to see you and what's bugging them. They might not want to open up to you straight away. And so there's all these things floating around. They might not know what they don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and so you've got to get to the point where you can diagnose the problem correctly. And so from, from a charging sort of um, how you how you interact and, and engage with that client, it, it matters a lot, you know. Um, so for me, a transitional model, which is the term you used earlier, is, is different from a transactional model. And that's helping someone who's going through a really, you know, unique or important change in their life, a big change. And they have to deal with that transition internally. They, they've realised that something's now finished, something's changed, 
and their life is probably never going to be the same again. And they have to now kind of recalibrate internally. And that might take a long period of time, you know, particularly if they've lost someone important, um, you know, something traumatic has happened. Sure. Um, but it doesn't have to be traumatic. You can you hear the statistics all the time about sudden sudden money, uh, who, you know, people who win the lotto. And it is, I think it's 70%. It's gone in like a year or something like That's that or correct. two years. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, people sort of always think, you know, I have money, my problems go away, but often they don't. They actually just multiply or they become different, you know. And so that transitional kind of relationship is one for me that's really important. And that really means a fixed dollar fee model, transparent fixed dollar fee model that's been charged, say, monthly or, you know, on a project type basis. And it doesn't extend. The idea in my mind is you're coming with a problem and at some point there'll be an end or there'll be a, a renegotiation of whatever that problem is. You've solved it. <laughs> That's yes. why they came to you, yes. hopefully. Yes, correct. You've resolved whatever the reason they came to see you was and you've put them in a better position. And that might mean, because they're in a better position, there's a new set of problems to think about. Yes. But at the same time, it means the contract or the, the, you know, the engagement needs to change. And so sort of 12 months, I think, is I think what we came up with in the, in the industry as a, as a reasonable amount of time to say, well, no more than that before we need to re-engage or disclose our fees to you. You know, so we're not get, just earning money for doing nothing, or for you know, you're not clear what we're doing. And how um, how would you how would you describe 2007 experience for Anthony? Transitioning or transactional? Oh, for me, it was it was funny because I wanted you know I'm I'm not a baby boomer. Um, I'm <laughs> internet you know at that stage was quite internet capable. Um, and and so I and I enjoyed learning, right? So for me, clearly, I, I, clearly, and spoke Mandarin. Yeah, I've 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 always been a bit of a nerd. So I went. My immediate reaction, sort of, when this happened, was just which books do I buy, right? Like, what do I learn oh, myself to okay. rather than necessarily just wanting to purely okay. rely on an advisor? To I didn't know at that point really enough about psychology or human behavior to yes. understand that I was going through a transition. I knew. She, bad shit was happening right I knew it was impacting my life um but it sort of wasn't clear to me you know you sort of think most people think you go to an advisor for tax or investment advice or this or that and that's true but that's a function of of kind of what they want to achieve in the more holistic sense um at least in my mind and so I wanted to learn to to become empowered I didn't want to become to rely on somebody and just have an advisor forever I wanted to kind of get to a point where I felt empowered and enough that at least if I wanted an advisor, it was because I felt the value was there and I hadn't learned enough. And what I want to flesh out there, Anthony, is what I want to flesh out there is there's two trains of thoughts from my experience. One is the public pub test assertion, and that is that your commentary there is based on saving money, control, and Mm. lack of trust. Uh, and then there's the other one, which dovetails to your story, which you spoke to earlier, and, and it's a rhetorical statement I'm making, is challenging um, for the listeners. What, why was it that you had that view? I know it wasn't based on what I've just stated, which was saving money and controlling. Yep. Um, what are, are you able to articulate, if not, I'll flesh it out uh, if we can. Are you able to articulate why you had that view? What was driving that view? Not wanting to rely on someone else. Yes, and and be educated and not have to uh, go to an advisor. What was driving yeah, that? That's a good question. I did want to go to an advisor. Um, I just didn't want to rely on an advisor forever. Yeah. If that yes. makes sense. So yes. I, I I'm always I've always been a curious person. I always um, have thought that you know when something matters, it's important to understand it. And so you know, where, where I'm going question. where I'm going with that question is exactly yeah. to that point. Um, I'm, yeah. What I'm what I'm wanting you to um, identify, if you're not aware, if you're not cognitive of it, mm-hmm. is what was it that mattered? It wasn't the money. It was no. At that point, well, there was a few things. One is that uh, I'd inherited a little bit of a, a I don't want to say a mess, but it was it was a, an estate, or at least part was an estate that was set up by my grandfather. Yes. So. So there was quite a bit of, I and mean, there was complexity in turn, and I wanted simplicity. Yes. Um, yes. So good. I wanted at least in the beginning, uh, let's call it transactional advice mm-hmm. in order to simplify my affairs and make them more suitable for me mm-hmm. rather than my father. Yes. Um, the, the other side of that, though, I guess, is that I wanted to learn and, mm-hmm. you know, having been already 
a curious person, you know, who worked in finance, who worked in in this space, um, who'd who'd already sort of started investing quite young, um, and and always been interested in money. Had always played a pretty big, important role in my life, and not always positive, um, which we can maybe <laughs> get to a little bit in some other ways. But and that comes into the the, the family life office piece, right? I'm the third generation, so. So now, yeah, um, now, we're, now we're getting right to the spot where, yeah. um, for the benefit, for the transparency of our audience, um, I have the privilege of having um, had a uh, discussion around your uh, impact of your life prior to this episode interview. Mm. And, and where I'm going, what, what actually struck me was, um, and whether, whether you were cognitive or not, whether it was pronounced in your mind or not, or whether it was submersed, I'm not sure. But what really struck me in that, in that conversation we've had was around how you felt with the responsibility of a legacy from your grandfather. Ah, yes. So the yeah, there was a huge sense of stewardship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. yeah that's what. That's that 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 is what I was trying to work out whether that was dovetailing um, and playing whether it be submersed or not whether that was playing a, a oh, major part massive. of the responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 So the the. I guess the, there are a few things going through, like like anyone going through this sort of a transition. There are millions of things going through your mind, right? Like, am I going to be okay? What am I going to do with my life? What you know? What does this mean, right? There are a million things you're going through. One of them that was huge for me is I knew the story of of, of my grandparents. I knew I had a really good relationship with them. I knew how hard they worked. I knew they started with nothing. Mm. I knew I knew the story, right? And I had yep. I had, an, had the benefit of of. Um, a, a close relationship and open communication in some respect, not about this sort of thing because I was too little, but yes. um, a bond, let's call it, um, yes. that, that, that made me cognizant of, of, first of all, how lucky I was because I'd already lived in China, you know, in developing China and it's uh, um, a big shock moving from Sydney's eastern suburbs into, into that space <laughs> and coming back or a reverse culture shock actually coming back. So I was hugely, you know, um, just, you know, the realisation that I just won the lottery ticket by even being born in Australia, let alone being in this situation, having been educated, you know, at a private school in the eastern suburbs and just being privileged um, to have have had this and not wanting to blow it. I mean, to, to be able to, to, you sort of, I mean, in some respects, you don't have other, anything other than memories or photographs of your, of your grandparents. And if they leave you a legacy, if they leave you money, um, and in my case, it was via a protect, protective trust, Mm-hmm. Um, there were other issues in with my dad. You know, he was my grandfather, or my my paternal grandfather was concerned that my dad might remarry, which he did. Um, and so there was a, a, a you know testamentary trust set up where where the capital was preserved for me. Mm-hmm. And you know, it wasn't in effect sort of a, a memorandum. There was a memorandum of wishes too. There was you know that in writing, but mm-hmm. it was not that the the doc you know the document itself that. Um, really had an impact. It was more the personal story of, of him and how hard he'd worked and, yeah. you know, everything he'd been through to get to this point and to feel as though, you know, to, that I would blow that it would, would would have been, I think, a psychological blow for me. Yeah. yeah. So that, that yeah, that, that's, that's, that's what I was hoping to, 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 to get to with the audience. And I'm glad that you've shared that. I wasn't going to press any harder on that. What I'd say to you, as as a G, as a G three, uh, G one and G two would be incredibly proud of you, and and for the audience not knowing what G whatever that's generation three, so third generation um, in family office space is the language, uh, the jargon is G three being generation three and generation one and generation two. There's no doubt that they would be incredibly proud of you for not for what investment returns you've got, not what metrics you have around you, but for what you've just shared. Um, that that's that's incredibly powerful stuff and thank you for being so raw and transparent in opening up on that Anthony. it's appreciated your your business name are you prepared able in a position to share the business name for the audience i am yes uh my business name is regenesis advisory good and what problem is it solving yeah good question so the problem it's solving is around transitions primarily. It's specializing in transitions. The go idea figure. Is go figure. Yeah, that's it. So it's, it's independent. <laughs> well, what I've decided to do basically is, is start working for a bank and selling insurance. No, no. Um, <laughs> I just got, just got a license with okay. AMP and I'm setting up down the bottom of the road. No, I'm kidding. Um, what I'm doing is, is an independent advisory that... Look, it's designed to help anyone that 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 sees the value of advice. So, but it specialises in in helping people who are going through 
either planning for or navigating important life transitions involving money. So things like, um, you know, parenthood, divorce, change in health, uh, loss of of spouse or partner, um, inheritance, retirement, marriage, uh, aging-related matters or selling a home, all of those things, you know, come with emotions and come with come with relationships and then they you know there are, there are people who can help i guess the cycle you know if, if you're going through a difficult transition there are psychologists or therapists or counselors who can help but often the money side is where you know you can't you can't isolate the two in a vacuum people are making big decisions it happens all the time right you inherit money sure. You just change your life straight away, right? Oh God, I've got money. Um, you know, suddenly I've you know I had I had what fifty grand in the bank or hundred grand in the bank. Oh, suddenly I've got a few mil. I can do anything, right? I've just got to just just think this through, and then I'll start a business. And suddenly I've got a lot of friends as well. You know, um, a lot of people that I didn't haven't spoken to in quite a while are now you know more friendly than that. All these things happen, right? So you have to sure. um, you have to I think set up in my mind a business that that can specialize and that can empower and that can um, get someone through that transition to the other side in a position that's at least as good, if not better than what they were when they came to you. But more importantly, I think that gets them in a psychological position to plan their life forward. And that's a really, really difficult transition. So there's the first transition, which is what was for me, you know, essentially, um, holy crap, all this stuff just happened to me. And now, I've, you know, dad's passed away, mum's sick, all this stuff's happened. I've got money, right? I've got all this responsibility. There's that part and trying to clean the, you know, understand your cash flow and understand your budget and understand what's what's what and who's who in the zoo. There's all that. But then what does it actually mean for me and what do I want for my life? Because at that age, really, you know, I had enough that I could probably do anything but not nothing. And so I knew that and I knew I had a really good opportunity given everything that had already happened to me. It was, it was a pretty big set of blows to go through at the prime part of your career, you know, when you're sort of trying to, get your feet and get grounded. But once I'd, once I'd been through it, I knew I had to make some good decisions about what I wanted to do. And most importantly, what I learned along that journey is that you can't let money drive, and a lot of people do this, but let money drive your decision-making. Um, it's very easy to do. It's They, they structure their life around it. Um, what have I got? And then I'll structure my life around that, you know, and <laughs> um, sure. well, what, can I, what can I afford? And well, I'll structure my life around that. And that typically means living day to day. But what it doesn't give you is clarity, confidence, or purpose, and it doesn't make you know the ultimate the ultimate uh, goal of all of this, which is it doesn't make money your servant rather than your master. Um, nice. And so for me, that transition is key. It's uh, helping helping people through difficult periods or good periods intact, uh, and you know hopefully better taking away all the pain points that they sort of help them focus on what matters educate where possible um, and empower someone to to feel as though um, they don't need you forever but if they if they think that you're still useful and helpful and you're able to give them good advice they'll they'll retain you regardless but that comes down to their choice rather than mine yeah I would coin I would coin that the phrase I used to coin that is becoming the advisor concierge and that's very much what uh, you're you're articulating there in the family office space is you be the you be that facilitator of relationships and networking and collaboration and be the concierge of that comfort and trust um and that's a beautiful position it comes with responsibility of course like anything worth having um, but that's what I mean that's what I needed yeah. right at the time yeah, correct. me yeah. it was literally yeah. if I could have found someone that was yes. doing this and helping me deal with all the other people in my life, the profit, you know, I had yes. to deal with lawyers and accountants and valuers and this and that. And it was just stressful, right? I didn't want to, be, I wanted to grieve. I wanted to focus on sure. myself. I wanted yep. to, to yep. you know, I didn't want to be dealing with, um, so I just needed someone to make that clear for me and sort yep. of help me, help me digest everything, get it into a situation where, you know, get, get your garden in order, get your house in order, however you want yep. to describe the metaphor. And then once you've done that, give you a path forward or help you understand what's possible now and help you, you know, it's not hold you responsible to getting there, but help you make sure you track along the way and you get where you want to be. I mean, that's the, to me that, you know, that's the ultimate goal is of goals, goals-based advice, right? What yeah, do you want to do with your life and how do you want money to work for you? 
Very nice. And to the jest at AMP there, uh, Matty Lawler, he's the managing director of advice at AMP. He's a he's a good mate of mine and he's a professional. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry for that. If you're, if you're listening, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> that's old that, AMP. Sorry, no, no, that correct, was, correct. Yes, that was, uh, that was said in jest, and I, uh, yeah. I just put that in there as a as a disclaimer. <laughs> so, how are you progressing with the business? Yeah, good. It's it's always early slow. Days. Yeah, early days. Um, yeah, so should be should be within I'd expect a month at the latest. Um, okay, I'll be up and running, but uh, fingers crossed, might be earlier. All right. Any regrets at this point? Ah, <sighs> that's a good question. Um, this is the no, time no, for regret, what's, no regrets what's at this all? point. What's it all, Anthony? No regrets at this point. I think um, anything in life that's worth doing ain't easy. I think that's that's mm. um, well you know given. Um, it's easy to to watch Netflix and eat popcorn. Not so easy to, <laughs> to, to to cut the umbilical cord and go off and do something like this. But at the same time, look, um, I think there's a, a huge need for financial advice in Australia. I think the, it's everything's being made so complex, legislatively, financial system-wise. You know, everything's kind of in flux, right? And we we got forced to save our super. We, we don't get taught in school how to manage, you know, what any of this stuff really apart from sort of compound versus simple interest and how to add dollars and cents. So most kids I've realised I've got my own now and they don't even see money. You've got, they, they, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so hard, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, there's this, there's this, we're a young country and there's this, um, there's this view that we're not, in my mind at least, that we're not particularly good as a, as a, as a, as a, as a country with, uh, dealing with money and particularly seeing it through three generations because we haven't had that much time Yes, 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 comparison to other countries to to perfect that art. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's work on making sure that G four um, has that same inherent value <laughs> you've got with your grandfather's legacy. So, why uh, why or where does family office fit into your plans at this point? Yeah, um, I'd love to be able to to offer a service. I mean, the ultimate transition in my mind is transitioning from one generation to the next and beyond. And I think where a lot of I mean, I listened to a couple of your your other podcast uh, podcast discl- disclaimer there. I've heard um, some of the benefits of a multifamily office already. I think it's fantastic that um, an advisor is actually planning far longer term than than beyond their client's life, their immediate client's life. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, most it, it's a natural extension, right? You, you have money. You have behind that money, you're going to have a person and all of what's whatever's going on in their head, and then behind. That there's probably a family or a partner or a bunch of other people that are impacted, and so typically I always hear clients, "I want what's best for my my family. I want what's best yes. for my kids. I yes. want what's best for my kids." Right? And that's that's God, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because yeah, no, it's um, not really. Because if you can do what your grandfather did and leave a legacy and have you as the grandson, that dovetails beautifully. Oh, it's just two well, big gifts there. Two big. That's gifts. very kind, Lance, but it's it's not that. Um, it's well, that's yeah, it, it? probably no? a fluke. It's a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a nice fluke. It's landed appropriately um but literally it isn't that difficult it's uh but people don't know what they don't know and they consume what's put in front of them and if nothing alternative nothing presents itself as an alternative then their choices yeah. are limited so um most of the time that's they're seeking true. answers but they're not finding one that necessarily fits so um that's our job as um you know as advisors to broaden the horizon and present different options to people that's it. And words mean different things to different people, That's right? Correct. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. I'm trying to do my website and I'm putting up, you know, estate planning, legacy planning, succession planning. And I don't think anyone knows the difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, we do because we work in the space, but, <laughs> yes. but there's a huge difference, right? Like in my family, on one side, estate planning was done really well. That's that's testament yes. to the fact that I'm still here and, and kicking and, and breathing. But the the other side of that is is the succession side and the legacy side. And that's that's not legal documents, you know. That's that's preventing the legal documents ever being needed. <laughs> well um, well and, and so, you know, um, there, there's a whole different skill set there. And coming back to my earlier comment, you know, we want what's best for our kids. The hard balance there really is how do you how do you do the natural thing, which is give them a better life than you had without ruining them and turning them into a trust fund baby or a, a, an entitled brat that sort of, mm. you know, assumes that money equals intelligence or, or power or all these negative things that really if they don't have a healthy relationship with, with money at all. And that's typically why I think by the third generation um, you're really you're really hard-pressed to get to a situation, unless you're lucky enough like I was, to have a, a close bond with my grandparents, um, that that um, you're, you have that, that sense of 
of stewardship or of, of responsibility rather than entitlement. It's, it's a hard yeah, one. Yeah. It is, you know, it is I, hard I would have been like that if I probably, I, no, actually, I definitely would have <laughs> grown up far more entitled <laughs> if I hadn't moved to China to learn Chinese. And that yes. was, I mean, look, you could people move to New York, they move to London, yes, they move to yes. Paris. I've, I've been fortunate enough to travel a lot in my life, but to, to live in a country where you don't speak the language which is going through a transformation like China was at that time was, yeah. it was just such an eye-opening experience, right? And it, it changed my 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 understanding of how the world worked and how it was and, and my values and and sort of just yeah it was it was different from from traveling Absolutely. it was yeah yeah to your question around uh, how do you do that my uh, my experience and my counsel to the audience would be if you focus on your eulogy while you can uh, and fill the gaps in in what you're hearing um, at that eulogy um, that's a very good place to start with how do you stop entitlement it's um, invest like your grandfather did and your father yeah. and your mother did invest in what matters. Don't write checks out for it. That's um, it. Yeah. But that's a discussion. The capacity for building. Yeah, it's, the yeah, it's communication. The capa- you, have to, you have to be able to have that. It would be so nice. I mean, nowadays it's much easier to video people and, you know, to, but like it's something I'll definitely do for my kids. You know, you want to be able to speak um, yep. about what the purpose was and what you went through and give them the benefit of your wisdom and hindsight to the extent that you can when you're no longer able, right? You're no longer here. So. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I often uh, joke half-heartedly with people to illustrate the point um, who think writing out big checks is going to draw my attention. It does for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. I say to people, if you can just tell me what day you're going to die, we can plug those holes the day before. <laughs> what day will that be? <laughs> it always draws that response. Yeah. What, have, what yeah. have you discovered as the the difficult barriers to entry of being an advisor in the family office space? You're not there. You're contemplating. You're looking at it. You certainly are well placed to uh, to deal with the outputs. Um, you've experienced. You've lived it. You can articulate it. But there's mm-hmm. still clearly a barriers. What would you say to people listening that you've discovered as those difficult barriers to entry of being a family office advisor? I think there's a genuine lack of understanding both in the marketplace for consumers and also for businesses about, about what a genuine family office or multifamily office does. Um, it's not something we've had a huge, because of our, again, our short history, uh, it's not something we've had too much experience with. Uh, even other countries like the US who also have a fairly short history have more experience with it simply because of their, um, I guess, their the, the, the size of their market and economy and the way, the kind of wealth that was generated and... Yep. Um, you know, the types of people that have moved there. But, you know, the, I think the, the biggest difficulty with, with getting in is actually finding a business, first of all, finding businesses that know who understand what to do because, you know, just an advisor, often an advisor hasn't managed their own money um, or been through a transition like, the, you know, they might have gotten married and had kids, but that's different from, from something like this, which typically yes. often happens later in life. Yes. So, you know, when you're 50 or 60, you typically lose your parents. It's 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 more of a normal chain of events rather than when you're young. But I think having being being on the other side of the fence and knowing what what people actually need, it's 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 a different skill set to what you'd expect to find at an HSBC. I don't want to throw out names, but an HSBC no, or a, or a you know Credit Swiss Private or a um it's, you know even an Ernst and Young. I mean these these businesses they offer um fam- where I worked they offer family office services, but Defining what that actually means in practice, yes. um, and implementing it in a way that that is effective, is is something that I think is is difficult to do. And so, having met you, that's obviously opened my eyes quite a bit. Um, but from a consumer perspective, every time I talk to somebody about a multifamily office, their eyes glaze over sure. because they they immediately think you know Rothschilds, J.P. Morgan. You know, they think of like you yes. know. For, for you know Andrew Forrest Fortescue something like that right yeah the analogy I use with the analogy I use Anthony with people is it's like talking about superannuation in Asia it's not going right. to not going to draw a favorable response <laughs> yeah get me to translate that one into Chinese goodness um, yeah. I don't know how, how to say found, superannuation Chinese how have you found the stakeholders in the family office space's availability to assist free flowing blockage difficult uh, cumbersome as I've started on my journey I'm I'm finding it easier um, I think. It, the hard part is finding people who who kind of know and have you know who are interested in this space and who know what what the consumer needs and how to do it. Um, it's a difficult question. I don't think there's a huge barrier in some respects. I mean, 
it's it's kind of the logical progression for an advisor. My initial um, meeting you was a bit was a bit of a an eye opener because I'd, I was already like nine steps there and I just needed the tenth. So I'd already thought to myself, like maybe my concur, best. I would concur with your analysis, self analysis. There, I'd say, <laughs> was... I'd say you were you were ten out of ten and just need a confirmation. But yeah, you're being kind. You're being humble. Thank you. No, I I think what I meant by that was that I um I think the the nine steps really is the it's the it's the understanding of of uh the, the, really what we're looking for is an advisor you know, um, as a family office service, we can, we can go and employ an advisor, right? It's not, it's a different hat. It's, it's, you're trying to solve problems and they intersect with money, but they're not always investment related or tax related, or there's a million other things that money can impact um, and that can cause stress or can cause, make your life easier and better. Um, and all those soft skills and relationship skills and understanding of people and how money can play a positive or negative impact is hugely important because more is not always better. And so reading, you know, I mean, I think Jack Bogle was like, and my grandfather was like that too in a lot of ways, my paternal grandfather. I mean, they're just, that's why you get the, the benefit of the wisdom from the grandparents because they've they've often lived, you know, in my grandfather's case, three lifetimes in one life. Yes. So you, you read someone like Jack Bogle or, you know, writing about, I think, you know, one of the books I read was Enough and or Morgan Housel wrote a book, recently the psychology of money to me it's always been a fascinating topic because you know we we're not good with it typically we don't like talking about it um it's 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 often you know people i've met plenty of people plenty of clients who have inherited money or have come across money and it's had a they've just they think they basically it's dirty i don't want it right i want to give it away money it's it's easy come easy go or it's you know all these attitudes we have i mean even our um a tendency in Australia to gamble with horses and pokies and things like that. We've just got a, a different kind of viewpoint, like she'll be lucky viewpoint with money that's that's typical of a new country with a lot of resources, but not very well suited to long-term wealth preservation and growth and also yeah, good relationships. Beautifully, beautifully said. Um, I think both. that's the, the key part is the good relationships part because as human beings, that's what we want money to do. We don't want money to create problems with relationships we want money to solve, if it can, if it doesn't, but if it could do anything, we want to solve it, right? We want to make it all the people in our life, our, our family, in our lives, our family, our friends, our whatever it is, we want money to not even be an issue. It's just there. It's, it's doing what we sure. need to do. It's our life that matters. So yeah, a question, a question I, uh, I use to draw the attitude towards money out is yeah. if you had a magic wand, what would you do with it? And yeah. and very much extrapolates the value sets and top of mind awareness and pain points um, all in one narrative, um, answering a particular question. So that could be something that people choose it's, to use. And, for you know, one of the hardest things. It's like uh, I've not, and I've seen this with client after client, right? And you come back to your question about why why start a multifamily office. The same set of skills that a client has to create the wealth in the first place are often very very different from the skills needed to keep it and. To, to give, to you know, and to give a good uh, set of outcomes to the kids and the and the family, it's it's a totally different skill set. Um, different. What, what is it? Uh, what is it you haven't liked on your family office journey to date? Is there something that you haven't enjoyed? And be as transparent. Name me, shame anybody you like. It's open, open, <laughs> no, uh, open. Not at all. I think you've been fantastic, Lance. Um, I, look, it's been a real eye opener because. To find that there are people out there who were kind of, you know, who are further ahead than I am, but also thinking along these lines is 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 fantastic. And I think that the third leg of my business at some point I'd love to have is is as part of the transitions piece. Really, is a multifamily, a true multifamily office offering because you don't. There's nothing worse I think than seeing someone work <laughs> their proverbial off and try to make it all better for the next generation only to have that next generation <laughs> blow it all up or, you know, like, or to cause, or to, to, to cause division and disharmony in the family or, you know, jealousy or whatever the issue is. Um, there, there are so many things that can go wrong when money's involved. It's like, it's like alcohol. It, it can magnify whatever problems were already there yes. in the yes. first place. Um, well, we've so- got any uh, C capital investors or angel investors listening. That might be uh, that might be something you can follow Anthony up on based on his point there. I think you would be well uh, well counselled to consider um, looking at his business model and backing him. Um, lessons learnt in closing. Let's wrap this up for for mm. both of us. Um, lessons learnt: knowing what you know now, 
Yep. What are the things you wish you had learned earlier in your career? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, so I wish I learned earlier in my career what the conflicts were in the industry um, and how the industry was structured and worked, um, as in financial planning and advice. Um, I wish I understood a lot of the different terminology that's out there still that's very confusing, words like <laughs> financial yes. advisor, financial planner. Um, there are so many terms out there that confuse consumers. Um, I wish I had a lot more knowledge around that earlier on. Uh, but I think also I wish that um, that family office service that I'd like to offer others was available <clears throat> in, a, in an affordable format for families like my grandparents or, or parents um, earlier on. And so I guess having the wise counsel of, of, a, of a good trusted advisor um, that was looking out for my family's interest early on would have provided preventative medicine rather than, you know, the lessons learned, which, you know, I don't regret, but which sure. which obviously provide the scars that, you know, you need to yes. go on the journey, yes, yes, all that do. sort of stuff. It's, 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 I think that's probably, you know, the key one. Um, but other than that, look, I don't regret anything. I, I haven't really found um, anybody particularly rude or, or you know, unhelpful. Um, everybody's been really helpful and, and, and kind. I think everyone um, who's in this space probably came to the same conclusion I did, which is that they want to help, but they're being hindered. Um, it's beautiful here in 2022, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. The humanity's alive and well, lovely. Yeah. Um, what is, what's to, the what's the best way for our audience, if they want to contact you, reach out and contact you? You've inspired them, you've touched them, they want to invest, they want to talk to you about things. What's oh, the God, best no, way I don't want to give them any of my details yet, Lance. I'm not open. Um, I don't not open have... yet? <laughs> my, website, my website will be up soon, uh, regenesisadvisory.com. Okay, um, I might have got the dot com as well. I haven't decided which one I'm going to use. And I just read an article in the paper that's saying, and this is maybe helpful for some listeners, that uh, for cybersecurity, dropping the dot com and just using dot au before the 20th of this month is being advised for all businesses to, to have um, greater level of cybersecurity from being hacked. The government is giving three days to get that. You know, I don't know if anyone's heard about this, but I read it today that if you want to uh, change your business over to a, just a .au without the .com mm -hmm. um, for free, I think it is, or some um, uh, transitional benefit that they want you to do. So anyway, I'm looking into that. Okay, so we'll, we yeah. say watch audience, watch this space. You've got an insight there how to uh, keep an eye on uh, what Anthony's up to. So. It's, it's you, been Matt. an honor. It's been an honor to have you on the episode, and I say that as a heartfelt parent. Um, and as a human being, it's just wonderful to have authenticity and transparency, um, absolutely inspirational to people like myself. It's what I like to get out of bed for. Um, money is not my motivator. It is others. It's not mine. Um, I'm inspired by people who, who respect and have that value set of past. Um, that's not for everybody, but I just wanted to say that to you one-on-one um, -on -one because uh, and, and in the public domain of a, a podcast show, uh, by this episode so thank you for that thanks for sharing your insights and experience with our audience they were raw they were real and that's what that's what we try to do yep. um and if uh if someone's listening wants to get in contact with you we've worked out the best way to do that is to watch your website you're not in a position to disclose that at this particular point it's been an absolute pleasure having your time anthony and thank you very much for it and thank you so much for, for listening and for asking all all the the delicate questions you did so so gracefully uh really appreciate it and um you know anytime Thank you so much. Stay safe. If you want my help in any way, shape or form, go to genmfo.com. That's G-E-N-M-F-O.com and interact. Please share this episode with anyone you care about so that they, like you, can have a pathway to wealth, health and a legacy. Please leave an episode review at genmfo.podbean.com, Apple or Google Podcasts or your favourite podcast app and subscribe to not miss out on my latest episodes. Until my next episode, remember, if a pathway to wealth, health, and a legacy is what you seek, Generational is where you start. Thanks for listening.